day. And thanks for checking in on the latest on what's going on at Journey Church. Our prayer is that today's teaching will inspire you and ultimately draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus. So no matter what you're doing, relax and enjoy this next message. We are jumping into a new series that I think is uh, paramount, not just because in the world that we live in, but as believers, we are required to be able to speak to really tough issues and give clear answers that are driven from the Bible. So often, we are giving answers because of what we feel and our opinion and what we think it ought to look like, and we provide a lot of problems sometimes and not solutions. And that can kind of transpond into a lot of different ways. We can hunt for gossip, we can do the gossiping ourselves, and we cause division within the church, and I mean that as a body of believers across the nation. But if the church is divided, then how can we stand against some of these political issues that are taking place in our, back, in our backyard? Okay, so we're going into a new series for the next several weeks, and it's called Apologetics. And so if you're with us, if you're a guest for the first time, we have a church app that has our notes. You can actually fill in the blank on our church app. It's Journey Church of Brandenburg is how you can find us, or you can even type in Ryan Franks. It's just because I set it up. It's not because I feel like I'm really important. And then uh, on the back of your bulletin, uh, there is an opportunity to take notes as well. I challenge you to take notes, and you say this. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ryan, you always challenge us to take notes, and I'm still not. Why, why would I start today? <laughs> because um, there are questions that you've had your entire life that maybe you could answer after you've spent some significant time on it, but there are people out there, right, who are making decisions based off their feelings and emotions and they don't know the truth, and when you as a believer or we as a church say, this is what the Bible says, right, but we can't explain where it comes from or why God did it, and we're just supposed to expect them to believe that answer, to that answer be good enough, and for them to make changes in their behavior, and it's not happening, okay? So we're going to be talking about apologetics. That's, that, that's kind of the fancy word on, um, on discussing things of this matter. So I'm going to give you how the public views apologetics, and then I'm going to tell you what apologetics really means from the Bible sense, okay? So as, we are t- as we're writing this in, and we're just going to sit, we're going to unpack. So in order to, to bring up heavy discussions like, uh, like late-term abortion, immigration, um, things of that nature, like what does the Bible say about these things, the right, the left, you know, because right now all the left, all the Democrats, all they're doing right now is they're just waiting to start front-running all their people so they can get Trump out, and, and then all of a sudden, if, if a Democrat gets in next time, then all the Republicans are doing two years into it is they're just trying to do everything they can to impeach and get the next, and there's nothing working together, right? There, there's no unity, and we are going to be talking about hard topics like this, like how can you reach across the aisle in every sense? Like how can you, how can you bring up abortion with somebody who's just like, I think it's fine, or somebody's just, or somebody... You know, you know, you want to bring up homosexuality. It's just like, well, this is a free nation. You know, you talk about truth. You talk about grace. You talk about grace. Well, this is the grace. This is my journey. Awesome. So we're going to talk about things of this nature. We're going to talk about where this comes from, what the Bible has to say about this. So I want you to pay attention so intently for the next several weeks because when you walk out of here and you know the right answer, the idea, the objective is that you can explain it, right, in a loving way manner, right? So just going up to somebody and picketing them and just saying, you're wrong, you're sinful, you're going to hell. All that is is doing is just projecting hate because they don't understand what's happening and why you're saying that. And that's what hate looks like sometimes. It's just when you come and you just say, this is what it is. And I mean, 
every four letter you know word you can think of just like you know forget you it's just, it's just screw you it doesn't matter i just this is what i believe this is what i think and i don't care what you think and, and if you don't do this and that's between you and jesus then that's not a good way of doing this that's not a good way that's not the biblical way there's certainly no love involved in that so we're going to address that a little bit okay so apologetics the public is going to view this as reasoned and this is so important because we even have to unpack the definition that's what we're saying a reasoned argument or writings to justify something justifying meaning to be right okay so reasoned arguments or writings in justification justifying that you are right of something right so you can take any hard topic that you want right now across the board whether you buy into it or not we're justifying that we are right in the sense and that is what we're fighting for the thing is is that if we fight for something we better be able to back it up and because when you go to these protest rallies and you say what are you here to do well, we're here today because boom 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 awesome where's your information well he just is no that doesn't cut it just allows you to be recognized as ignorant and incredibly arrogant and we're going to make sure that we address it as believers that that is not our situation today, right? Justification of something, to be right of something, typically a theory, right? A theory, it's an idea, it's a hypothesis that says this is where I'm coming from, and the idea, the theory is that it is this, right? So there's really no um, absolute in a theory. You're just trying to do your best to make it one, or religious doctrine. That is how the public views apologetics, reasoned arguments or writing and justification of something typically a theory or religious doctrine now i feel that i'm obligated to go ahead and jump down the page here and tell you what apologetics really means because if you don't know what apologetics kind of means then 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 this is going to get a little confusing so apologetics is simply giving right a easy clear maybe it's not easy but it's a clear answer to tough questions that's what apologetics is is that if you have a really theoretical hypothetical you know metaphorically speaking an idea or or an issue that you're really that you're really driven about and you want to discuss it well you're going to need a little explain it and that's called apologetics okay so this is what we're talking about the apologetics of a believer it's all about answering questions this is so important right now that as we begin to dive into this as we begin to dig into this that even little every little thing that we're going to talk about is going to matter in the whole uh, scope of things we are doing this this series we're doing this not to prove that we are right jesus is coming back done we need to help as many people as we possibly can understand the truth okay and we're going to be talking is the holy spirit not capable absolutely the holy spirit is capable the holy spirit is here for several reasons one of them is to con uh is, is to convince unbelievers and convict believers so let him do his job. And we'll kind of get into that as a third point a little bit, right? But apologetics is to give clear answers to tough questions that people ask. I'm going to say that again several times. It's the objective is not to prove that you're right. It's to give clear answers to tough questions by people. This is where we're going. It's about answers to questions. It's about going deeper and deeper because sometimes we don't have the answers to most basic questions. If we're out there trying to share 
the gospel and the good news and the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ and how he and how, how that kind of explodes wonderfully into our lives. But we don't know how to answer the questions like, do you know who you are? What is the purpose of life? What does it mean to be human? Why am I here? Is life valuable? Is life even mine? If we can't answer those, then we've got to get off the pedestal for a little bit and figure out who our identity in Christ is first before we go out and we just start saying, this is how it ought to be. This is how it ought to be. Because, and there's, there's also things we've gotten to a point in our opinions, in our politics, where we are ignorant to what is going on. So, tough questions with clear answers. And so we have to go to the beginning of where this all started in order to understand how to simply address this. So let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. And we're going to unpack this verse a little bit because you can't just read it and say, oh, well, that was a beautiful verse. It is a beautiful verse, but there's more to this. And I want you to be circling and underlying and quoting whatever parentheses you want to do. But I want you to, I want you to hear some of these words. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord, all right, supreme ruler of the universe, the one who comes and saves you at the end of the game, the one who comes back and takes you, has shown up. The Lord God placed, underline the word placed, because it means that it was intentional. You weren't dropped, he didn't fall over, he didn't skip, he didn't stumble. He was placed. There's intentionality there. There's purpose. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to, underline, circle, whatever, tend and do the same thing with watch. There was directions. There was instructions. Again, there's intentionality. There's purpose. This isn't just by default that God was bored and makes this beautiful earth with all these beautiful places and drops them right in the middle of the Garden of Eden, but to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God, underline this, warned him. Warned is very important here because he's saying something here. He's saying, I'm going to introduce the idea of free will to you. Maybe you've grown up and you didn't think that God's given us free will. And that's because we only focus on the now. When something happens and we say, oh, well, you know what, maybe the Lord did that. Mm, you're talking about a situation that's happening right now. You're not talking about the big picture of where God maybe wants you five years from now, 30 days from now, 30 minutes from now. But the Lord God warned him. He warned him. He introduces the idea of free will. I'm going to give you an option because I'd rather you draw closer to me by saying no to something and saying yes to me instead of just making you my little robot and having you not being able to have a say in life and just being my little sheep right? Just being my little pet. That's not what he's doing here. He's saying, I'm going to warn you, which means there's danger out there. There's danger. And if you walk away from me, you will, be, you will start to be able to create your own free will. And free will is eventually going to lead to something. It's going to lead to you and how you decided and what you decide to do with it. So the Lord God warned him, you may, love the word may there, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden. Everything you see in life, you and me sitting in these great chairs right now, I never get to sit in the great chairs, but when I do, they're incredibly firm and I really envy each and one of you able to sit there, okay? I stand most of the time on Sundays, right? But God warned him that you can have anything, everything your heart desires, I've created to be good. 
right? Because it came from me. It started with me. It's going to end with me. And now I have made you, and I want a relationship with you. And it's all yours as long as I am the center of everything you say and do. You will have no reason to ever have to know or choose absolutes. You will not have, you will not be required to know good from evil because you will be unaware. And that is what I want from you. But if you decide that you want free will, if you decide that you embrace that, which is yours, and you turn from me, you're going to walk into a place and a season of life that's going to require you to do something different that you maybe were not intentionally made to do. If you walk away from me, and if you take this gift of free will and you abuse it, it's going to cost you. It may even make you surely die. There's one tree, Adam. One. There's one. You can have everything. And there's one tree. Why don't you stay away from it? Because it's free will. And I want a relationship with you. I also want you to choose me over it. And if you don't choose me over it, you're going to start to live a life that's worthy of your own calling. You're going to start making decisions that you feel are appropriate. You're going to start determining what you think is right and wrong, morals, ethics, and values. You're going to begin to determine what an absolute is based on your culture, based on your friends, based on your family. And by the time you're making those decisions, Adam, you won't even remember what got you there. You won't even remember that it was a tree. And the tree is not the issue. It's what I've asked of you not to do. The tree just happens to be an example. So when Satan comes around and whispers in your ear and says, hey, listen, side note, if you eat this, you'll be more like God. Satan wasn't lying at all. That wasn't a lie at all because they became aware just like God was. And now they're having to discern absolute truths. And I'm not sure if they were entirely made for that. And what would happen if we never ate the apple? We might still be naked. And all of our eyes would be burning right now. So I'm not in favor of sin. <laughs> but it wasn't about just the tree. It was so much more. It was if you choose to do this and live this way, this lifestyle, if you do not glorify Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you do not worship the God who made you and made everything around you, if you walk away from that, you will, be, you will begin to discern your own values, your own morals. And by the time that you go that way, abortion's not a big deal. Late-term abortion on the table. A child before born, after, not going to be a big deal. And people are going to vote for this. And people are going to celebrate. It's because we walked away from that so long ago. What happened? When Satan said, you will be like God if you eat this. The moment they ate that, they became aware. They became aware like God. They became aware that there is such a thing as guilt and shame now, which the devil uses those two things more than anything else. He guilts you and he shames you. Your past, shame on you. Shame on you. You can never get beyond that. You can never get beyond your past today, is what Satan will tell you. You are not worthy to sit in this and come to the altar at the end and ask for forgiveness. You're not worthy of that. You're right. But Jesus is. And Jesus came for us. And we accepted him. And he gives us another shot at eternity. The one thing, the one restriction was don't play God. Don't play God. That was, that was the rule God was, was simply saying to Adam. 
and he said it in a different form. He says, don't eat that apple. Something will happen. Something will change forever. And it says, you will surely die. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, every single tree in the garden. You can have everything you want except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it doesn't even say when you eat this. God was still hopeful that he would pick, that Adam would pick God over the tree, that he'd pick God over himself, that he'd pick God over pride and selfishness. But it says, so it, so it says if, not when, not when you do this, when you fail. It says, if you eat this, I'm going to go ahead and let you know the consequences. You're sure to die. Now, I don't know if Adam really understood what that meant. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. And this is Moses who's writing this, right? Moses gets credit for the first five books, all the Pentateuch. But here we are. Don't leave your humanity, Adam. Don't try to become God. Don't listen to that darkness, the shame, that's guilt, that's whispering in your ears. Don't be forced to be in control of absolutes and have to decide between right and wrong because you will choose wrong eventually and it will bring you death. That is what God has set up. Don't do this. Because if you do this enough, you'll begin to distort the name of Jesus and you'll begin to form your own opinions, your own morals, your own values that are not biblically founded. And even though we have a verse running around the back of our head, I love the common saying, I think the Bible says this and it says something, I'm not really sure where it is, but I think it says it along this line. You actually, if, if it's even in there, it's nothing what we just said. And we've build, been building our, our lives on that maybe verse for like years now. It's like, oh man, I thought in order to get to heaven, I had to be baptized. I thought, I thought somebody in Sunday school told me that one time. Commanded? Encouraged? Life or death? No, it's not the case. It's amazing what we learn when we start to form our own apologetics. Let's keep moving a little bit here. Apologetics is to give clear answers to questions people ask. That'll be really important to underline the word people. It means to give clear answers to questions that people ask. 1 Peter 3.15, New Living Translation says this. Instead, what should we do instead? In this dilemma, what should we be doing instead? Instead, you must worship, right? Worship in this context means your life should display the character and the worthy calling of God. Display, you must worship Christ as, your, as Lord of your life. Lord means master. Okay, now when I got done with my masters, I asked Tristan to call me master and she said no. So, and then I followed up and I said, well, will you at least call me sensei? And she said no. You must worship. Your lifestyle must reflect your master. So Jesus is our Lord. He's our savior. But when we say Lord, he's our master. He's our master, our savior. He came and he died for us, right? So we, we acknowledge that and we say, thank you. We couldn't have done this without you. And now because you saved us, I want to do what you want, right? I was already given grace, but now I understand what you're doing for me. I want to serve you. You are willingly, I accept you as my master. It's not like, oh, you're my master. I have to do what you say. It's not like that at all. It's unappreciative, right? If you appreciate what Jesus has done, he's wonderfully our master. You must worship Christ as Lord, as master of your life. You must do that. And if somebody asks about your hope as a believer, right? Hope is Jesus, 
right? That's, that's what this is saying, hope. We can even go a little bit step further than saying the blessed hope of Jesus coming back for us. So not only are we, are we saying the gospel and the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done and why he came, right? But the fact that he is, in fact, coming back, and there is going to be a day where we will all kneel with or without our permission. We will confess, and we will say that he is Christ and that he is Lord and that he has done everything that he said he's done and everything that's in the Bible, right? There will be that day. So we're not just telling people about the good news. We're saying, hey, time is short. Kingdom building is among us because it's flowing through us. You need to know about this because you're going to be held accountable whether you die willingly, right? Whether your time comes or unwillingly, your time still comes, but it's a car accident. We're all going to kneel someday. And so it's so important to understand this. And let people know about the gospel and about the good news. Our hope as a believer, here is why we're talking about apologetics. Always, not sometimes, or if it's convenient, or if you're in the neighborhood, right? Like Mr. Rogers, he's stopping by. Always be ready to explain it. This is why we're talking about apologetics for the next month. is because we have been called in and out of season to always be ready to explain who Jesus is, what he did, and why he came. And if we just say, well, I want this, and this is my protest, and this is my Facebook platform that I rant religiously on all the time, and it doesn't make sense, and it's not coherent, and it only seems to get negative comments, if that's my only objective, and we, and we, and we go to sleep at night, we're just like, oh man, I was a great Christian today, because I, I shared the word, I just shared the word, that's just what I'm commanded to do, pull back, pull back a little bit, yes, is that the Holy Spirit? But I just think that there's going to be moments where we have a chance to do a breakthrough with a non-believer, and it's going to be on our hands. And sometimes we've made the wrong decisions on how to communicate this to them. So we're going to be talking about it because we don't understand and we can't explain it. Always be ready to explain There are three topics that are forming the culture we're living in today. Hear me on this. The, what we want to go after is why are people... Feeling and thinking and making decisions based on what they're doing. Why is that? Don't you ever want to know, like, why do you say that? Where do you believe that? How are you raised? What is the culture of your home? What is the DNA? What religious background do you come from? What cultic background do you come from? Here are three main topics in this area as to what is influencing and shaping our culture today. You look on the news. It's hot right now. Who is hotter than it's been in a long time? Number one. One of the main topics that's, that's, that's influencing and shaping our culture today is that God is dead. Nietzsche came out a long time ago, gave a pretty compelling argument for nobody, for, to people that do not understand who Jesus was, and convinced them. You go to any, any university today, and it's not even explaining that God is dead. It's just that you're stupid to believe that he's alive. They just say, just right off the bat, before I even take my first class of 101, if you're a believer, you're an idiot. That's what they'll tell you these days, right? Three main topics that are, that are influencing, shaping, and culturing, or, or, or shaping our, our culture today is that God is dead and how to live within those ramifications. That's very important that you write that down. It's not that just God is dead, but it's now that I've accepted the fact that Jesus was just a historical figure and a really good guy, but that God is dead, we don't need him, and how to now, now that I've accepted that, how to live in that world. And we wonder why we have so many bad decisions coming out. The second thing that's, that, that, that's shaping and influencing and cultivating our culture today is religion and cults. There are so many cultic 
religions out there. And what is a cult? A cult is anything that distorts the truth of Jesus Christ. For pure definition reasons, a cult is anything that distorts the truth of who truly Jesus is. And I have a lot of notes on Mormonism or Mormon, Mormons and Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses and Islam. Now, let's, let me tell you something. And we're, we're going to talk to this a little bit, maybe, maybe not later at all. Maybe it's going to wait till next week, right? Relativism, reasoning, we will share it because that's a big deal. What's relative? Relativism. And if you're unaware of what that word is, I'm telling you, it's shaping our culture more than you know. And if you can't speak to it, you'll be out of the loop when you come across somebody who's a little bit younger than myself, a millennial, right? Because, and by the way, if, if you don't know what us millennial, uh, millennials want, we want your money. We don't want to work for it. Okay, now that we got that out of the, now we're going to take up a second offering. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just sit there. Just sit there. Just kidding. Just kidding. God is dead, religion and cults, right? We have, we, have, we, have the, we have these religious, nothing short of demonic, right? Murdering people. Dragging them out in the streets. It's absolutely just crazy, right? And they do it in the name of their God. That if you go back to every one of these, okay, so Mormons, uh, the, the Latter-day Saint says Joseph Smith, he ended up being a crook and arrested because he was lying, because he was broke. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses have, did you know that they have uh, uh, determined the end of the world three times so far? And, um, and we're still here, baby. Okay. Hey, listen, anytime somebody comes to you and says, God has given me a brand new prophecy and it's something like that and it doesn't happen, don't ever listen to them the rest of your life. And here's the third thing that, that's, that's influencing and shaping our culture today is learn by your eyes, not by your faith. Learn by your eyes. And we'll, we'll, we'll go into this a little bit deeper, right? But God is dead. Religion and cults learn by your eyes, not by your faith. You can learn through your eyes and you can also have the, the conscience of the Holy Spirit guiding you, right? You can do that, but that's not what we're saying. We're saying you have to learn by your eyes, not by your faith. That's what's happening right now. And so this is introducing homosexuality. This is introducing abortion. This is introducing relativism. This is maybe even introducing a little Roman Catholic, but we'll talk about that another week, okay? 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 Okay, the fact, the idea that a man can cleanse or, or forgive you, Jesus is your high priest, folks. Jesus is your high priest. If you put your trust in me, you'll be disappointed. Okay? Jesus is your high priest. Some of you are like, I'm glad he said it because I've been thinking that for a while, right? <laughs> I want to I, I want share, do I? I want to share this, 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 this idea. Yep. I want to share this idea with you. I want to share with you relativism, right? This is what this is, and I, I, let, me, let me spell this out to you, R-E-L-A-T-I-V-I-S-M, okay? This is important to know, and it's very important to define. We need to be able to understand what these words mean in order to speak to our business. This is doctrine, knowledge, or truth, or morality, right, morals, that exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context with no absolutes. Let me break that down one more. Whatever you think is right based on the culture, society, and history is what's right. 
okay come on let's give an example right here right now things are pretty open love who you want to love okay different weekend however though the moment we begin to accept anything and everything and we say that love conquers all and love cherishes all okay well we already talked about that people don't understand what love is but this is a good example of reasoning and relativism the culture is saying it's okay the media is saying it's okay it's been around for several decades parents are now raising their children at age four that being a transgender is okay and that they can love who they want this is a prime example of what this is relativism it's an absolute or that there's no absolute and whatever you want is okay based on what you're doing where you're living and how you're living and, and that nobody can tell you different and if somebody tells you different it's hate come on come on you know I'm on to something here and if we don't understand apologetics and where it's all found in the word and we can't take a complicated because that is a complicated and it's gonna be super complicated when they're 16 and they've been living in this lifestyle for 12 years and mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad said hey that's okay and then they're gonna come to youth group they're gonna come to youth group and they're gonna say Gabe I feel funny and I feel different I don't know what to do with this and now all of a sudden they're 12 and they're 13 they're 15 and you're dropping them off at the church and you're saying hey they don't understand how to how to love Jesus and I'm saying that is correct we were in youth ministry for over eight years and we pastored over 850 students in those times okay how we, often would parents come and just say you got to fix him I'm like oh you don't even know what you're saying you're asking me to fix 10 to 15 years of just crappy parenting and I get your kid for an hour a week and you want me to undo 52 weeks per year you want to start doing the math it's not that it can't be done but they're gonna to have to intern and live here till they're 30 this is our culture this is our DNA hey this Sunday we're warming up we're getting on the same page we're understanding we're talking about it I'm on page one for today and I've got three so maybe we're gonna go for a year on apologetics I don't know <laughs> here's the thing here's the biggest lie in America right now that we're after the truth the biggest lie in America right now is that we want the truth that we're looking for the truth we're not looking for the truth we're looking for whatever fits our agenda we're looking for whatever helps our party we're looking for whatever helps our family and I mean that in the negative sense not the positive sense that you're probably thinking oh, that sounds weird I'm talking about whatever gets us ahead whatever keeps other people down I don't care what it is it's all about me we're not interested in the truth we haven't been for a long time and the fact of the matter is is that there is a truth out there that does heal and bring back joy and restore and it's not in our culture listen church we are kingdom builders so this truth has to be known and then it has to be and that has to be shown out you are required as a believer today to be a kingdom builder so when I say I want you to be a kingdom builder and serve I'm not just talking about working in a church I'm talking about being a light at your work in your community and starting within your home because if we don't know apologetics if we can't go to our kids and say listen this is why it is let me